0: Hey guys, nice to see you. (laughs) Um, We're talking about prayer, and we're talking about the prayer that Jesus prayed, the prayer that he taught his disciples to pray. If ever there's an important prayer, if ever there's a time to listen up, we're talking about prayer for this this season, but if you want to know what God himself is saying (laughs) about prayer, then we better pay attention to, to what Jesus says when he's talking about prayer. That's pretty important, right? Yeah, Um, so I've been looking at this, I've been studying it, God's put some things on my heart I want to share with you. Um, A lot of it's about sort of the theme, I guess, is authenticity. So we're just going to get straight in and, uh, and read the passage together. I'll just grab my Bible, it's back here. Okay, so we're in... Matthew chapter six. Anytime I look at the Bible, I just love looking at Matthew chapter six. I think it's my favourite chapter. Um, Sermon on the Mount, all this thing. There's so much stuff like life-changing. Like, it just, you know, you think you know something, and then you know, you think, oh yeah, I'm getting a hang of this, and then you go and read uh, Jesus' teaching on like the Sermon on the Mount and stuff like that. And you're like, oh, I've been thinking about it all wrong. You know, you're like, I thought I was getting a grip of this, and all of a sudden, it's a completely different way. And that's kind of, yeah, I've been looking at prayer this week through the through Jesus sermon on the mountain, man. Just had to do a lot of rethinking. So, it's in the context of a couple of other bits of teaching, but they all, it's like a triplet. Um, it's about giving to the needy, about prayer, and about fasting. Because these are the three kind of mainstays of Jewish uh, religious practice when and when Jesus was around. So they give to the needy, they pray to God, um, and uh, yeah, they do the fasting. So be careful, be careful, not to do your acts of righteousness before men, to be seen by them. If you do, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues, And on the streets. To be honoured by men. I tell you the truth. They have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy. Do not let your left hand. This is my right hand but it's your left. Know what, what your right hand is doing. So that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret. Will reward you. When your father who sees what is done in secret. He will reward you. And when you pray. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. Listen up. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. Your father knows. This then is how you should pray. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Here's what Jesus wants to pull out of that. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And this last bit is part of it as well. So fasting. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do. Hypocrisy. Inauthentic. For they disfigure their faces to show men they are fasting. <gasps> oh, mother, I'm fasting. I tell you the truth. <laughs> They've received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face. Smarten yourself up in modern language. So that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting. But only to your father who is unseen. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Interesting, isn't it? When you think about praying, wow. I've been reading that over and over again. Wow. All right, so we're talking about authenticity. We don't want to be hypocrites. We want to be authentic. I love authenticity. I love the real deal. I don't know whether it's because I'm northern and I'm Yorkshire. I'm like, I call a spade a spade, kind of thing. I just love, you know, authentic stuff. Do you want to put the uh, the sticker up? <laughs> so, is the only ever bumper sticker I ever bought. Um, and the man saying, I noticed that you're a gangster. I'm pretty gangster myself. So when I saw that, I just thought that was hilarious. It's kind of, I don't know, there's an element of sarcasm. And he's calling out the inauthenticity. I, work w- I used to work with a lot of kids and they all want to be gangster. You know, they all want to pretend there's something a little bit hardcore. And here's somebody who's clearly not gangster. And he's, you know, he's been all, I don't know. It just made me laugh so much. I just, because... Oh, Pretending. Why pretend? Why dress up? Why pretend to be something you're not? You know? Um, who remembers Ali G? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was he was like, it's the same thing. He's because he's a gangster and all you know, all that kind of stuff. He's calling out that that culture, it's fake. I hate fake stuff. So uh, <laughs> recently I bought uh, <laughs> well, I had to buy some vinyl for my kitchen floor. Okay? So I'm going out and I'm like. I don't know if you, anybody bought vinyl recently. You go in there, and I only had one criteria. So I said to Sam, I'm quite, I don't know why I'm like this, but I just down. I said, Sam, I don't want any vinyl that's pretending to be something that it isn't. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't want one of those vinyl that pretends to be wood when it's just vinyl. I don't want a vinyl that pretends to be tiles or stones. In fact, in the end, I sort of reached a compromise, because I'm like, I can accept a pattern, but it can't have pretend grout. It has to be real, actual vinyl. That's all it is. It's just vinyl. We're not pretending we wished wished we were something else. We're not putting on a show. It's just vinyl. And in the end, I got this weird, gray, nothingness of a vinyl. Uh, It's just like, I don't know, weird, sparkly gray stripes. And I was agonizing. I think, does it look a little bit too much like roofing felt? (laughs) Because that's what it looks like. like. That's how much, for some reason, it just bothers me. I want things to be real. It matters. It's important. Perhaps not in the vinyl world, but you know, it's got to be some truth. There's got to be something solid. There's got to be reality. So, recently, you know, it matters to me to be, to be authentic, to be real. And I had a horrible experience recently. Um, so, I got called out as being inauthentic. That was it. So, I'll tell you what happened. So I had, he's not here today, had Tim and Rachel round for tea, okay, it was all going so well, and then I had to go up and bring about my electric bike, bring up about it, and I said, hey, Tim, I've got this new, ele- you're into cycling, I've got this new electric bike, it's brilliant, you know, you like, you hardly have to put any effort in, going up the hills, and where I live, it's ridiculous, right? I live at the top of a like." One in four hill. You do, if you arrive at the top of that hill, you are a sweaty mess. It's, it's horrendous. I don't want to do that. So I just want to be out, and I'm like, you know, it's about being out in the countryside, and I just love um, <laughs> riding around on this electric bike. Um, I said, but you know, some people are a bit funny about it. You know, some some of these like people cyclists are a bit funny. They're like, as if I'm not a real cyclist, <laughs> right? That was too much for Tim. <laughs> he could take it no longer, so he suddenly just bursts out with like a look on his face I've never seen of hilarity. you're not a real cyclist. <laughs> I was absolutely flawed. I was like, I could tell he's rolling around on the floor, like wiping tears from his eyes, and I'm just like, oh, I've been called inauthentic, and I'm like, no, 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 I am a real cyclist. I am like I've got a bike, Well, you know." But no, not a real cyclist. And I thought about it from his perspective, right? So Tim's a real cyclist. Hands up if you're a real cyclist. Nobody, good. <laughs> you're all on my side. <laughs> so, like, so Tim, he likes to go out. He likes to pitch himself. He's on his bike, man and machine against the world. He's got Strava on because if, if you're a real cyclist, you've got to have Strava to test to see how fast you're going. And you go around the hills and you're training. It's an endurance event. You know, that's what cycling sport is. It's endurance. And you're figuring out how fast you went. And, you, you know, you've got all this. You've put all this effort in. Maybe you've been training and you're doing your normal loop. Imagine you're on this big ascent. This is all for me to imagine so that I can, like, take him seriously now from now on. And he's going up this big ascent like Tim. And he's, he's done the training. And suddenly he's like, I'm on for a record time. Strava tells me, I'm going, this is it. I'm going to, you know, all the hard work, all the effort I've put in. All the sacrifices I've made, it's going to make a real improvement. I'm off this hill. And I just come past on my little electric bike. yoo <laughs> I'm a real cyclist too. You're just not going to buy it. It's just not going to buy it. It's inauthentic. You're not a real cyclist, apparently. So I, like, I went out after that. I'm like, all right, what do I have to do? Like, I've got to buy a drop-handled racer. That's how you become... Some people are nodding at me. Whatever. I'll you real cycling. I'll do my fake cycling. <laughs> There's something about sacrifice inauthenticity, something about having worked for it, there's something about when we sacrifice it, gives something meaning, the last thing I wanted to look, just to help us get our heads round, how important it is, is a a personal favourite topic of mine, (laughs) um, of inauthenticity, and it's um, Facebook, okay, Facebook, I love Facebook, I'm on it all the time, okay, but, you know, have you noticed recently, they're, they're running these campaigns, first time they've ever run a campaign, Facebook, first time ever, And it's about, because there's been fake news on there you know like apparently they've been trying to swing the US election back when Donald Trump was elected and all these kind of things and there's you know russian people and i don't know whatever that's what they're investigating fake news people trying to put news articles on there that aren't real to you know destabilize democracy that's what they're saying they're saying we'll never do that we you know we'll never have fake news on facebook i'm like what are you talking about facebook is fake news that's the only thing it is without all that that's it's us we're the fake news all we do is put on little projections of what we wish. Here's the best picture of me. That can be my profile picture. You know, the one where I'm looking my best. You know, uh, and uh, the status updates that we do. We, we carefully arrange the experience. I mean, you're not going to do anything else. You're not going to put a rubbish picture of you on Facebook. Okay, you're not going to get a worse picture. It's just human nature. That's what we do. We just, we carefully curate the experience so that we come across a little bit better. If you look at my Facebook, for instance, it will look like I'm on holiday all the time, because I only ever put holiday pictures on. Every shot of me, I've got sunglasses on, and I'm in the sunshine, and I'm smiling, and I'm on holiday, right? Because that's, apparently that's what I want to project about myself. <laughs> that's the only thing I'm happy. But obviously you're not going to, you know, t- oh, here's me sat around doing nothing, bored. You know, you don't put that on there. It's just human nature. It's human nature tends us, leads us towards being aware of other people around us and we start to build this little carefully curated, um, you know, experience for other people. Something about that is what we're talking about. So, I really struggled with this because Jesus is saying, you know, don't be like these hypocrites, these inauthentic people. They stand there and they're standing in the synagogues and they're doing all this prayer. He says, you come out. You come out of that culture. You come out th- and, and you go pray in your home. And I'm like, well, hold on. Jesus, you know, are we not supposed to pray together? You know, <laughs> of course we're supposed to pray together. You know, like the re- Jesus prays with his disciples all the time. So he can't be saying that. Um, and you know, the rest of the New Testament, Paul, it's filled with us same prayer together. What's he talking about? But he's calling them out of an inauthentic culture. He's calling them out of a culture that's praying for the wrong reasons. He's calling them out of this pretend culture that's carefully curating its image through prayer. He's careful, think, too mindful. And why is that? Because he wants them. To, he says there's only one. There's only one authentic, real, real way to pray, And that's you and God in front of each other. Authentic. Nothing there. No curated experience. So, you know, I've been thinking about this a little bit and, you know, just how I pray sometimes. When I'm in church, I pray. I'm, I do tend to be mindful of the people around me. You know, I want to pray a good prayer and all this kind of thing. And we, we do. We've got to pray intelligible prayers. And it's vitally important for our church to pray together. It was fantastic praying early on. But when, you know, God knows that whenever we're around other people, whenever we, we know other people are listening, We can tend to get a little bit inauthentic. We can tend to get a little bit, you know, curate in our lives. I try and pray decent prayers. I try and make sure everybody knows I like them when I'm praying for them. You know, that kind of thing. I'll pray a really decent prayer. Or, you know, somehow, you know, I'll make this prayer a good one. And look, that's just human nature. It's just how it is. But there's something so much more important. And that's so much more important that Jesus is saying to his disciples, come out. Don't even pray with those guys. You go into your room on your own and you pray to God. You and God. And that's my challenge to us today is do you have your own authentic prayer life where it's just you and God? We can't rely on other people's prayer lives. We can't rely on the corporate prayer. It's brilliant that we have corporate prayer. But we can't rely on We have to have our own. You've got to do business with God one on one. There's so much at stake here as we're going to come on. So the only way Jesus is saying, like, this is what he says to himself, the only way you can really, really know that what you're saying, see, what we're actually saying when we curate our lives, when we do these little, you know, I think I'm doing good here, I think I'm getting quite good at this, I'm, you know, we're actually saying I'm alright, you know, I've got it together. And when, we, when we're doing our Facebook profile pic, we're like, yeah, this, this makes me look good. You know, this, this portrays me in a better, a better light. And sometimes when we've got other people around us, no matter what the context, we can tend to be mindful of portraying ourselves in a slightly better light. And at the root of that is pride. And pride is the biggest thing that comes between us and God. He's so, Jesus is so keen on this. He wants his disciples to have the authentic prayer life. So much so that he says, you guys go off on your own. It's a, it's a sacrifice. He's actually telling his disciples to pray this. Because they're in their culture, they've prayed three times a day. So they're going, and they're going to do this three times a day. It's pretty challenging. So we, we, uh, we curate our lives before God. And God doesn't want us to do that. He doesn't want us to build up the, I'm okay. This is, uh, you know, he wants us to be real. He wants us to be authentic before him. The next thing that struck me is Jesus says, uh, and this is pretty, shocking is he says when you pray your heavenly father already knows what you have need of he already knows what you need so you pray like this in other words don't just list off all your needs that's what he's saying I'm like but that's my entire prayer life out the window that's what I do and so it's a challenge what's that about what's the challenge well as Matt said last week I really enjoyed Matt's message last week about this idea of a, a vending machine you know and not viewing God like that and um, why is it that he, he you know, he's saying that God already knows what you have need of? There's a couple of things. One of them is when we list off all the things that we want God to do, we're actually getting God on board with the business of curating our lives. We're like, can you fix this for me? Can you fix that for me? If only you'll fix that. If only you'll do this, then my life will be all right as I see it. Can you do that? It's like getting God to do... Your, Facebook profile pic, all these things are wrong. Can you do them for me? Can you help me fix this? And then it'll be okay. That's what our relationship is going to be about. You fixing the things that are wrong with my life so that I'll be alright. And Jesus says even that is not required. Even the, the fixing up, because he wants something even more authentic than that. He wants something even more real than that. Now, as Matt rightly said, we bring our prayers and supplications to God. That's what it wasn't Matt who said it. I think it might have been Paul. Um, But, um, you know, we do. We pray and we bring our requests to God. It's not that that's wrong. It's that there's something so... He's trying to get this something so authentic, so at the core of what it means to come before God that he's saying, God already knows what you need before you ask. Well, that's a flipping challenge, isn't it? I mean, now what am I going to pray? Like, you know, I sit down. That's what I think. That's the first thing that comes into my mind. These are the things I need you to fix. And look, that's fair. But it's prayer and supplications. (laughs) Prayer first. And then he's going to teach us how to pray. So I'm pretty interested to see what he's going to say now. Okay. So first of all, don't curate your life before God. Second of all, don't get God to curate your life (laughs) for you. So what does it mean to be authentically coming before God? He prays. He says, pray like this. Our Father. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. What's next? (laughs) Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. You thought I was just pausing for dramatic effect, didn't you? I'm just like, forgotten it. No, I haven't really. (laughs) Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right, newsflash. We're halfway through the prayer already. We're halfway through the prayer, it's short breath, but it's all about God. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. Where, what's that about? Why we're we praying for him? It's me that needs the help. <laughs> Our Father. Who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. And the thing is, he wants us to he wants us to get something really important here. He wants us to see. It's about God. See, this is the gospel. It's the gospel in our prayer life. Our, we recognize who God is. Our. It's not just mine. It's not just my little world. That's a small world. Fix it up for me, God. Do this. Do that. Make this pain go away. Stop this. That's a small world. It's our Father. Father of everything. Your Father cares about you. He's who you become. There's so much in that. Father. Think about that. Father. It's not King. It's not Lord. We call him those things as well. But in this prayer, we're saying, Father. Abba, Father. Paul says about that as well. We come to him and we say, Abba, Father, Daddy, our Father. We recognize who he is. He's in heaven. That's like N.T. Wright describes that as the control room of earth. He's, he's in charge. He's behind the scenes, but he's in everything. He's in all the scenes as well. Hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. That took me a while to get my head around that. I was like, what does that mean? I'm like, It's recognizing the holiness of God. It's recognizing his otherness. That he's not just part of this, he is part of this world, but he's not just that. He's not, we can't describe him. He is the very measure of all the things that are good. If Something's good, it's good because it looks like God, not because it looks like an external standard of good that we've all just happened to agree upon. Something is good, it's reflecting God. You think about that when you're praying. (laughs) You know, our Father is in heaven, how be your name. Your kingdom come. Man, don't even get me started on that. Your kingdom come recognizing this as the kingdom. What what we're doing, we want his kingdom to come. Not my kingdom, not my Facebook profile. But I want his kingdom to come. And his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Man, what a prayer. Recognizing we put that first. You put that at the start of your prayer life. You're praying that three times. It's going to change your perspective. I'm not saying you have to pray it three times a day. That's just what they do. But you need to put this. So what is that? That's us recognizing God. What's next? Uh, Give us this day our daily bread. Now he's already said you don't need to list off all the things that you need. He's already said that. So what's this about? So the daily bread, it's a reference to in Jewish culture. So the Jews, remember, they came out of uh, Egypt. They went into the desert and God provided for them, didn't he? Daily bread. Every day the manna on the ground, they picked it up. It was there. They couldn't keep it. They They recognized they were entirely reliant on him. Our daily bread is a recognition of our reliance on Him, our need of Him. So first of all, we look at who God is in our prayer life. And then we look at our need of Him. What do we need to ask Him for next? We need His forgiveness. If you see what God is like, if you see His holiness, if you see what our lives look like, our Facebook profiles, other than Sonny, I mean the way we curate our lives, we need God. We need to recognize him. And we need, there's a response from that. So first of all, we recognize God, our, our Father. We recognize who he is. We recognize our need for him. And then finally, um, he says, I forgive those who have, forgiven against, uh, who have sinned against me as I have been forgiven. That's the bit that Jesus pulls out. It, um, that's the bit he's concerned about. Because we recognize God. We recognize our need for him. And we recognize the need for action. That means something. Do you know what that is? That's the gospel. That is the gospel. He's teaching his disciples to pray the gospel. He says, "Have that at the core of everything you do. Have that at the core of your prayer life. Have that so close to your heart that that informs all the other things." Then, then bring all your you know, prayers and your supplications. Do, do all that. But this is prayer. There's an element of sacrifice involved in this. You know, with the those three things we we'll look at: fasting. That's the sacrifice of food Giving to the poor. That's the sacrifice of uh, money and this is a sacrifice of yourself of your time of your um, pride it's, you, you have to take the time you put in the effort and that's where you get the meaning out of it so what he's saying he's saying be real with God have that one-on-one time have that own personal life and a recognition of the gospel in your life. A recognition of what that is. When I say the gospel. I'm not talking about. The little interaction. That we sometimes make. When we decide we want to follow God. It's that. Throughout our whole lives. It's the gospel in every area. Recognizing who God is at work. Recognizing who God is. In our marriage. Recognizing God everywhere. And recognizing our need for him at work. Recognizing our need for him in our marriage. Recognizing. That we have a response. To make now. That we need to do something. The gospel. The gospel. In every area of our lives. So I want to wrap up with a challenge. First of all, have you got that kind of prayer life? <laughs> have you done that business with God recently? Have you brought yourself low in His presence and not just carefully curated an experience? I'm alright, I've got this. Are you being real? Are you being authentic with God? we're just trying to get him to curate our lives are we just trying to get him on board with our projects or are we recognising the need for that real authentic interaction with God that prayer life I think this has an effect on every area it has an effect the gospel needs to be at the heart of everything we do as a church we're, we're looking at the welcome team this week, I'm really looking forward to that by the way if you're on the welcome team Um, We're going to get together and we're thinking, and I've been thinking, how does this impact? How is the gospel part of how how the hosting team welcomes people into the church? How is the gospel part of how you welcome people into the church if you're not on the hosting team? How is the gospel reflected on that? How is the gospel reflected in our light groups? Because if we're discipling people, we're introducing them to God, and we're taking them on that journey, is that part of what we're doing? Is the gospel recognizing God part of how we do crash. is it part of how we do uh, youth is it part of how we do all these things it needs to be there it needs to be at the it, this is the, the bit this is the authentic bit I don't want vinyl carpets that look like something else God doesn't want Christians who look like something else he wants us to look like the real deal recognizing him getting together with him is that something you want to do Is that somewhere you want to be in your life? Is that the kind of church we want to be? I think it is. I think that's who we want to be. We want to be real. We're from Bradford, crying out loud. These are the realest people on earth. (laughs) Let's do that. I'm just going to quickly pray. And then John's going to do some stuff. John's stuff. Father, we want to recognize who you are. We want to recognize your holiness in our lives. Sometimes it's a bit beyond and we don't always do it, but we want to recognize you. We want to respond to that. We know that it's you that sustains us. We know that we need you. And Father, we know that there's action required of us. We need to go from here and do something about that. I pray you'll give us the boldness to do that. Amen. Yeah, I have to say, Lyndon, I just want to, I'm sure I speak on behalf of many people.